When I was working in South Africa, it was in the year, early years of 2000 and on, and it was after apartheid had been overcome. So I remember I was sitting down with a lady who was involved in development work, and we were just drinking a cup of coffee in the afternoon. And I was listening to her story of what it was like to live under apartheid. And then it was around four o'clock in the afternoon, and she said, just as it became four, she says, imagine, she said, just a few years ago, um, there is no way I would be sitting down having a cup of coffee with you. Actually, she says, I wouldn't have been served, you would have. And at, the, at four o'clock, a siren would go off in the village or the town. And that meant anybody uh, who is a African, a black person, would have to leave. Or if there were maids working in houses, they had to go inside. And where they had to leave to was the scrublands in which all the black people lived in, miles out of the town as well. At the same time, what I noticed was that um, the, every Saturday, they were only allowed, people were only allowed to bury their dead on Saturday. And when I was there, all the funerals for the African people were on Saturday mornings. You never saw one during the week. The only ones I saw during the week were, were some white people. So these are traditions that have come up from something that is very evil, something that's very corrupt and very sinful, and millions of miles away from God's plan for, for, for humanity. But it is amazing how those traditions have evolved, and those traditions have, are continuing. Because even now, because it has become a practice, um, the African people down there, mostly they still bury their people on Saturdays. And most of the African people, especially, well, the rich people have moved locations, but the poor people, they still live in the scrublands out and, and separated from other people. So something that, has, that was a practice has become reality for the people there, even still to today. I'm giving you that example because it is so against, as I said, God's plan for humankind. And that is reflected in our first reading about that you're to become a wise people, a people who, you know, his chosen people, they have to become a wise people, one that are respected, one that becomes a sign to all of humanity, to all of the world, of how God wants the world to be. And how God wants the world to be is, as St. Paul tells us, is a place of justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. But sadly, just like any people that they you know, what they do is they try, to, they try to put into practice the truth of God's love for them and God's mission to them. And unfortunately, it develops into like putting a fence around their, their, who they are and what they are about. And then subsequent generations put in other fences and other fences and other fences. And different traditions come in for many different reasons, not all of them spiritual or religious. They may be political, they may be for many different reasons, 
and the fences get built up and up and up. And at the time of Christ, all of these traditions had become oppressive of the people. They had become so strict, they had become so difficult that the poor people couldn't even fulfill them. And that meant then that they were set aside as being unclean. And especially if somebody committed any sin, they were excluded. So God's initial plan was something beautiful, but it began then to exclude people and exclude. And there was that inner focus on maybe this very pure group that, that, that found it very difficult to sustain what was going on. What Jesus does with them and in his ministry is he goes back to the center. He, you could nearly say he took a long jump and he jumped over all of the fences and he went back into the center to where it all began and where it all began with God's love, God's incredible love for every human being, that every person the DNA of every person is the DNA of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So, irrespective of your opinion of somebody else, they are beloved by God. They, are cre they exist because God's, God willed them to exist. And God's, they, they are God's beloved children. All that is and has been and will be, is of God. So there is no person, there is nothing that is unclean. Everything is imbued with the love of God. And that is something that must become the reality of how we relate to, to the world in which we live in, how we relate to all of humankind, and how we relate to creation as well because everything is imbued with God's love. And we also have to remind ourselves that, um, that, that how God has, from the beginning of time, how God has decided to reveal himself to the world. And in the majority of cases, God has chosen to reveal himself to the world through other people around us. And that is something we have to keep in mind, that God is constantly present to every person through us, through each other. And there's a beautiful line from um, Sister Ruth Burroughs, a modern-day mystic, that love is always waiting for us to find itself, to find love. That is prayers, waiting for love to find us. And we are called to help people to help love find a home with these people. So today's gospel is one that is, you could say, very technical on details about clean and unclean. But Jesus just jumps back to the center once again and reminds us of the truth. And that is the truth we always have to stay in touch with. And if we are in touch with that truth, we will not relate to people by perhaps something that is different in them or maybe not the same as us. It would be wrong to call it different. But what we will relate to them out of a profound sense of solidarity.
that they are expression of God's love, just as we are as well.